Yo, 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 what's up, folks? Welcome to episode 23 of Blowing Wind with the Great Southern Brain Fart. Thank you all so much for your kind words of support that you've given me since launching this podcast in January. I have had an absolute blast talking to everybody that I've talked to, and I'm so glad to hear that you all have been enjoying it as well. For this episode, thrash metal guitar legend, blogger, jazz master, and cat lover. These are all things that pretty much encompass the man you are about to hear me talking to. Better known for his work as Testament's lead guitarist, Alex Skolnick has done everything from jazz albums to playing with Ozzy and his current project, Metal Allegiance. Alex took some time out of his hectic schedule to talk to me, and it was a real honor to talk to him. He's a great guy to talk to, and I really enjoyed everything he had to say, and I am proud to welcome Alex Skolnick to Blow and Wind with the Great Southern Brain Fart. Can you dig it? I think you can. Alex Skolnick, welcome to Blow and Win with the Great Southern Brain Fart. Thank you. Great name. Oh, thank you so much. I wish I wish some some of the other musicians thought the same, too, because uh, I just actually got told that a musician wouldn't talk to a website that was called the Great Southern Brain Fart, and so I told them. I said, Maybe because you had the word fart in it. <laughs> well, yeah. I was just like, I was like, well, I'm sorry if that was such a, you know, judging a book by its cover, but, you know, hey. Tell him, tell him sorry. I'm not going to change there the name for him. <laughs> and before I get started, I also have to tell you that a good friend of mine told me to tell you hi, Catherine Terman. <laughs> oh, cool. Miss T. Oh, yeah, Kit Kat. She's like one of my favorites. So, uh, oh, she's awesome. You guys are like, yeah. ca- like cat buddies, apparently. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's a, she's a cat queen. Oh, and, she, uh, she totally is. And apparently I, you're a cat king. Yeah, that happened a couple years ago. I uh, just held on to a, a rescue cat for a few days, a kitten, and uh, couldn't give her, give her up. So, uh, yeah, so she's she's a great cat, and uh, and then yeah, I've bonded with a bunch of my cat owning friends, including Cat Sherman. You know, so are you going to become one of those crazy cat men because they do exist? You know. Yeah, I only have one. I have no plans to expand. <laughs> you never know. More than two is like I think is is where you kind of go into the like the crazy mode, you know. So yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, it's a pleasure to talk to you, Alex. I've been a fan of yours, obviously, for years. I mean, you know, since I was a teenager. I don't mean to make you feel old, but I'm 44 now. That's so, all but, right. That's all right. I'm not that far behind. <laughs> but, you know, the first time I heard, um, actually, the first time I ever saw the video for uh, Over the Wall, I think, like most, most kids my age, you know, I was just like, how fuck? How much fucking cooler can you get than like a thrash band running around Alcatraz? I was just like, that is just the right. shit, <laughs> you know. So, oh, that's so cool. Well, so, what were you gonna say? What were you gonna say? 
What's that? I said, I said what were you going to say? Oh, just, you know, when we did things like that, like going in the studio to make a record, uh, doing a video, which is a very painstaking process, by the way, uh, especially back then. Um, you, you have no idea. You don't really get to experience, you know, other people, the way other people experience mm-hmm. those things. So, you know, because you're... Yeah, you know, you're in them. You're you, know, you see you you see them from a certain vantage point, but yeah, you know, to it's always fun to hear these stories of you know how somebody you know discovered your record in a record store or or saw the video on MTV or yeah you know, whatever it, it may be. I mean, because it's really is because I mean, you know, the times have changed so much because, you know, back in the day when, you know, when I was a kid, you know, it was, you know, MTV and Headbangers Ball or, you know, Heavy Metal Mania at the time and whatnot. And when I saw that video, I just remember thinking like, that is the coolest shit in the world, you know. But of course, like now that I'm older and I go back and I look at that and I go, now I know what the process of making a video was. Um, Sure. What? What was it like being pretty much trapped in Alcatraz for hours, like making a video? <laughs> uh, well, actually, it was actually fun. Uh, you know, uh, we're all from, from the Bay Area. I live in New York now, but right. at the time, I, I grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area, and I've been there a few times. It's something, it's a little bit like, you know, in, the, in New York, uh, the Empire State Building. You know, if you live there, you don't go to it. You just got to look at it. But then you have relatives or friends that come into town and you go. And Alcatraz was always sort of like that, you mm-hmm. know. Um, but it was a great to have this excuse to, to go there and spend a lot of time there. And uh, yeah, a whole bunch of friends of ours were involved with it. And, uh, you know, we were kind of stealth about it. I don't think we had the proper permits. So we would have to, we looked, you know, we took a tour and then we would sort of sneak around corners and, film a scene when nobody was looking <laughs> it's actually pretty amazing we pulled that off that's a great story because my, my that was my next question was like how the fuck did you get Alcatraz to yourself <laughs> oh yeah yeah it, it was I mean it was total totally done gorilla style as it should have uh, been like that first album was right you know I mean oh, really. absolutely I mean I've, I've heard stories of you know like Werner Herzog talks about his first films and you know he actually stole a camera that he decided you know the commitment to art was justifying the the theft i think <laughs> i think it was from his film school and uh i, I forget the story but yeah it was a similar thing i think he did his first few films without the right permits and sort of sneaking shots but again you know you just when you're starting out you you do what you can do as long as nobody gets hurt Exactly. Well, like I said, that was such an introduction, and again, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure most most you know fans my age that was their first introduction to Testament. And then, of course, sure. you know, I you know I grew with Testament all through the years, all the way you know, and then you know the ritual, which was like an explosion for you guys. I just remembered being, I remembered being so proud of that record, where a lot of people like some of the more diehard Testament fans, I remember thinking like they weren't so 
on top of it like looking back right. on that album yourself like even the i mean i mean it's obvious it was a shift in the currents a little bit but what what is your impression looking back on that album 20 something years later um you know i uh, like i i almost uh, have feel sorry to say and uh hate to say it but it's good it's good. <laughs> it's one of my favorites, man. The music I, is good. The melodies are good. The songwriting is good. The playing is good. Um, yeah, I don't know what people's problem is with it. I mean, I, I think it would have been smarter uh, politically to, uh, and knowing what I know now, to have, just have have one like breakneck, uh, five hundred mile an hour tune on there. <laughs> yeah. Just, just to kind of appease the people. Just to appease people, yeah. <laughs> like one great fucking breakneck tune, I think would have would have solved the problem. I don't know, yeah. And looking back, I'd, I would change that. I wish, I wish we had done that. But I think uh, there was just such a desire to do something different. And the record before that was had some great songs, but it was it was there was always a sense it was a bit rushed. Right, we were, we were still I feel. I, I've spoken about this. I've written about this. Yeah, we were still uh, getting our bearings in the music industry. Right, and I think we had not find like we could play. And we were in a good band, but we just had not found ourselves yet as far as uh, you know career moves, as far as PR as far as production, you know, all this stuff that, you know, it, it, it takes time to learn later on. And I, I was also the kid of the band. You know, I joined the band when I was 16. Right. I did the first rec when we did over the wall video, I was 18. Like I was Jeez. just barely out of high school. And by the time we did the ritual, I think I was 21 years old. Mm -hmm. like I was still a kid. And, uh, you know, I, I, I started to get a sense about these things, but I, I wasn't able to speak up yet. And I think just knowing what I know now and just being able to read the the audience and being able to, you know, to read the market and make changes that you want to make as an artist, but without um, alienating people. Right. But also not, uh, you know, not compromising too much. You know, I, I kind of think like the relationship of a band in the audience, it's, it's a little like it's a little like a marriage, right? And you can, you know, at a certain point, you know, there's some bands that get to a point where they can do whatever the heck they want. You know, like but um, Metallica can do Lulu <laughs> with Lou Reed, right? Unfortunately, it's fine though. <laughs> it's fine because yeah. They're very smart. You know, I know those guys. They're, they're they're very smart. You know, they knew they could do that. They wanted to do it, but they, there's no way that like that next record. Like they can't. Yeah, right. They come out with the next record is hardwired. Right. <laughs> right. That's a hell of a record. But if they had followed Lulu, like say if you reversed it, what if uh, Hardwired had come out when Saint Anger did? Right, and then imagine like Saint Anger following Lulu. 
It's like I think it would have hurt him. I think it would have like nothing can hurt them because yeah, they're just like yeah they're the yeah they're the Teflon band. <laughs> Napster the Napster controversy couldn't hurt them like lawsuits yeah whatever but I think that would have would have done it but no they came out with this crushing record. Uh, hardwired, and uh, they came out with the record everybody wanted. After doing the record, that like probably alienated more fans than any other thing they've done. <laughs> Which is so funny because then they could come back and headline and sell out stadiums, and I'm like, Jesus Christ! If I would have made a record like that, like, because, like my like wife would have divorced they, me, you know? Right? <laughs> like, you know, like, because they got to a point where you can do whatever the hell you want, mm-hmm. and I actually wrote about it totally as a um, an observer. And right. of course, people are going to say, "Oh, it's the guy from Testament talking about the guy, the Metallica record." But you know, I I don't look at everything through the lens of the uh, guy from Testament. Um, and I just I thought it was really interesting what they did, and I do think you know, with certain artists, they can do you know they get to a point and they can they can experiment and they can do do whatever. Uh, it's rare, but you know, like uh, you know, the Beatles could do Revolution Nine, which is this insane piece of music, right, right, that right, freaks everybody out. Um, although I, I think it, it doesn't make sense, but I have a whole theory behind that. But later, um, John Lennon did the Two Virgins album, yeah, which is just complete noise. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> This is so crazy. Reed had done a record like that. That was just complete noise, and sort of designed to piss off everyone. Uh, Neil Young did a record like that, just to piss off his, his label. Um, and uh, even in the jazz world, you know, Pat Metheny had a, had a record called Zero Tolerance for Silence. Oh, I remember that, because um, I'm a Pat Metheny yeah. fan. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know what? They could, they were all in positions where they they could get away with doing something like that, just to say, what would happen if I just do this thing? Nobody's going to get it, you know? <laughs> but that's them, and it's rare. And I think you know when you're a newer band, getting back to uh, you know Testament in the early '90s, um, yeah, you're a little more susceptible to your audience, right? Uh, but I do, at the same time, I I think the the ritual has gotten more appreciated with time, not less. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, because, I mean, I loved it when it came out because I was just old enough. It came out when I was a senior in high school. And, like, you know, when you're, like, 17, 18 years old, like, that's that's that kind of turning point where you're not quite an adult, but you're not, like, right. still taking anything that's being thrown at you. And I remember yeah. when that album came out, one of my first thoughts was, like, wow, that's a bold fucking move. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, that's, I mean, that, to me, that was as bold as going extreme, like what you were talking about. So, like, you know, that was my big argument right. with a lot of people, because I also wanted to touch base on what you said about how, like, you know, when you write, because I'm a big fan of, uh, you know, the whole, the skull notes and, you know, your your oh, blog thanks. and cool. I, I, I read yeah. that because what I love about that is that that's kind of how I write you know I, I, I'm mm-hmm. a musician but I'm also 
you know, I'm not a journalist. I, I didn't go to yeah. school for this. I don't work for anyone. I do this out of passion. So I come at this as a fan from the outside looking in going, this is my, this is from my eyes. This is from my opinion. So you can take it or leave it however you want, you know? And I, and I love your outlook on, on certain things because it's like you said, like I can kind of hear the, Oh, here comes the guy from Testament again with a fucking opinion, you know? And I'm thinking to myself like, no, it's not the guy from Testament. It's Alex Skolnick, the music fan, you know, who has, has something to say, you know, and I think that that's pretty fucking bold, you know. Thanks. Well, people, you know, they see things through a lens, a limited lens, sometimes. Even though, you know, Testament is—it's just one side of what I do. I'm an all-around guitar player. Uh, I play with a lot of musicians that have nothing to do with the metal scene at all, especially you know some of the great instrumentalists I work with. And I have a jazz guitar album coming out, which I may as well promote. Um, also, September seventh, and uh, that's that's yeah, awesome. That's two days after my that's two days after my birthday, man. I can't wait for yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And the same day the Metal Allegiance record comes out. So yeah, well, you, you, it's uh, going to be a big month. Um, that's all out completely outside of Testament. Uh, but yeah, when I play with Testament, yeah, I give it a hundred percent. But it's. Uh, it's, I guess it's the thing I'm, the most visible thing I'm doing. It's what I'm most known for, but it's, you know, it's, it's really just one part of many things I do as a guitarist. Right. And especially as a writer. <laughs> I, I... So with like the Metal Allegiance albums, um, I would imagine for you, you know, being like you said, kind of like just like the all around guitar player, um, right. that, that's got to be a fun project for you in the sense that it's, it, 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 I mean, obviously, you guys take it seriously in the sense that it's it, it it's well done and it's you know tight, and you guys yeah. have a great cast of characters. But that it's just kind of that that it's like a project that it's not something you've got to stress out. Like, okay, we've got to work out tour logistics and things like that. So kind of so so well, is doing <laughs> is doing that a little more relaxing for you, or is it a little more tense sometimes? Uh-huh. I would not call it relaxing. <laughs> <laughs> Way to burst your bubble. Um, it's not like the Skolnick trio. <laughs> no, no. And I wouldn't say I. That's not exactly relaxing, but it's yeah. The Skolnick trio. It's always um, it's low stress. You know what I mean? Like right. It's whatever happens with it. You know, it's fine. Um, the got me and the guys, Matt and Nathan, we're just, we laugh a lot. We're good friends. We haven't had a lot of drama. Um, the, you know, the releases, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty simple. You know, it's just, it's really, uh, just about, about music. And I think, with metal allegiance, it's it's yeah, it's different than testament, but it it is it's high profile enough so that the, you know there there is some some stress involved because it it gets a lot of press. Um, it in yeah, it, it crosses over to you know 
because a lot of the, the musicians that we uh, collaborate with, they, they have their own followings. And right. then it's like, okay, where do, they, where do they think of it? Do they like it? And, you know, <laughs> uh, so you're, you're kind of, you know, so it's, it's just a lot. I wouldn't say it's, it, it is fun. Um, I wouldn't say it's overly stressful, but they, there's just a lot of moving parts. And it does, when it gets stressful, it gets stressful when there is a, uh, a deadline. Like we know in order to come out this year, for example, the record has to be mixed and mastered by such and such a date, right? I forget what that was. <laughs> I'm guessing it was like really spring. So, I mean, we're like talking, you know, like not that long ago that we're kind of scrambling to button this up. And again, it's a lot of moving parts. Dude, you I, know, can't, even, I can't even list on every album. Oh, every yeah. Song that, yeah. Yeah. I can't even begin to imagine because I'm scrambling around trying to get my band's album out. And like, that's just like probably like a third or like an eighth of the stress that you guys go through to do it, you know? Yeah. And you know, we have standards too. Oh yeah. Uh, Yeah. We're not going to phone it in. Like I I really, if I'm going to put my name on this record, like I want to be proud of the record. I just can't, put something out and go through the motions and say, Oh, you know, I'm, you know, especially if it's something like I'm heavily involved with. And on these, on these records, the other thing, I mean, this is, it, it not only makes it a little more uh, stressful, but it it also makes it more fun and a little more um, creatively satisfying. uh, The fact that uh, the type of guitar player, my role on this is uh, it's a very deep role, mm-hmm. um, you know, because I'm I'm best known for Testament. Testament is part of this model of sort of uh, you know the two guitarists, bass, drum, and lead singer model. Mm-hmm. ACDC, for example. Yeah, right? that's a classic example of that model. Um, and most of the heavy bands have been that style, or maybe it's four guys and one of them sings, right? Like Megadeth right. or Metallica. There's usually like, there's usually some sort of like a two guitar, like, 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 you know, thing going on, you know? Right. Amtrax. That's a more current example of that. So that and Amtrax right. is like another heavy band where you have a lead singer and you have two guitar players. Mm-hmm. So with Testament, um, really, uh, Eric, for the longest time, has been like the Scott or the uh, Malcolm Young mm-hmm. of the band. I was like the, the Angus Young. <laughs> right. You know? um, Without the schoolboy outfit. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, you know, that's true to a certain extent, but... You know, it's. I also I've written a lot of the riffs, especially the early stuff. And the first couple records, we both played rhythm guitar. And uh, and Eric's developed as a soloist too. So we we blur the lines a bit, but we're still a little closer to that that model. Right. And on with Metal Allegiance, um, it's you know it's really like the one guitar model. Right, like the Van Halen, 
Black Sabbath, uh, you know, Ozzy, Dio, oh, right? Where you have like right, one yeah. guy that does everything. So recording wise, I'm I'm that guy. I'm doing all the riffs. Uh, I'm doing all the solos except for three, where we have some great guests: um, Andreas Kisser, Nita Strauss, and Joe Satriani. Oh yeah, absolutely. Which is, yeah, which is awesome. But so for but for me, yeah, it's it's a, it's a lot more work. Mm-hmm. So, so I get to to be that guy. Um, and you really, but it's nice. So you get to really hear my tone, right? Yeah, I got you don't, which you don't really hear on the record live. Yes, live, everybody's a riff guy. You go to see Metallica. Kirk is playing riffs, just like James is. Right, right. Megadeth, Kiko is playing riffs, just like Mustaine is. Mm-hmm. But in the studio, you know, it's the other guys that you hear, and then you, the tone is really, uh, it's that you hear is like a collect live. It's it's both guys. Which is great. I mean, that's what makes it powerful. But I, I, I'm in, I'll admit, I enjoy having this outlet to sort of do where, you know, be the guy just in charge of the tone and the riffs and everything. And it, it works for Metal Beaches. I think you know, I would. It's the one project that you know that for me, I get I get to to do that. Um, but I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't change anything about how Testament works. Eric's such a, a brilliant uh, riff guy. Mm-hmm. And he's influenced how I play riffs, uh, so I, yeah, I wouldn't change a thing about that. But I like, you know, Metal Leech just gives me this outlet to sort of be the, uh, you know, the uh, the Headfield or the Vivian Campbell with Dio <laughs> or the Randy Rhodes with Ozzy, exactly, with riffs, as well as the solos. Where you get to kind of wear both the hats and kind of say like, okay, this is what I'm going to do here, but then I'm also going to do this here, you know. Whereas yeah. like you're like, okay, I wonder what he's going to do. <laughs> You know, exactly. Exactly. Well, so to kind of back backstep just a little bit, like you were talking about the jazz album that's coming out on the seventh. Is that going to be with the Skolnick trio is, or is that going to be like a separate that's thing? Correct. Okay, great. Yeah, it's the trio because First new album of originals, all originals, uh, one arrangement of a, a classic uh, French piano piece, but no, no covers, just all, all original compositions otherwise. That's fantastic. So that, that's, I mean, because the last one was, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, was it Veritas in 11? That was the last one, yeah. Yeah, I've yeah. been pretty busy that time. I, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I've actually seen you with Testament like four times. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like... I mean, Testament's done a lot. <laughs> Testament has done two records since that. Yeah. Um, I, I, I did go back in the studio instrumentally, but I did a world music record called Planetary Coalition. Okay. Which was had a lot of moving parts, where I was, yeah, you know, using uh, instrumental artists from all over the world and playing a all acoustic guitar, and that was just a, a dream. I'd long wanted to do that record, so I took it in the studio and did that, and then Metal Legions happened, yeah, and uh, we did the first Metal Legions record, which had even more moving parts than this one, uh, and that was a lot of work. So, you know, yes, the studio, the trio is little overdue for a record but I, I was not going to let this year go by without doing one i think it's great though because especially in new york city the new york city jazz scene is such a 
you know, such a tight knit thing, especially, you know, starting in the nineties. I just recently interviewed, um, a jazz singer out of New York who is in a band called once blue. Her name was, uh, her name's Rebecca Martin. I don't know if you're familiar with her, but, um, I don't know. I'm not familiar with her. Yeah. So she used to play with Jesse Harris and Kurt Rosenwinkel and Ben street and Jim black and all those guys. Oh yeah. Those guys. Yeah. I know those names for sure. Well, they were all, they were this band from the early nineties called once blue. And one of the things, and one of the things she was telling me was about like this kind of like, like the New York jazz scene is that it's just, it's, there's, there's definitely this kind of little pocket that seems Mm -hmm. to kind of be its own thing. So when you're doing the jazz trio, is it kind of like a comfort zone for you where you kind of feel like, okay, I'm no longer Alex Skolnick from Testament. Like I'm, I'm a jazz player and I'm kind of in this kind of a little more mellow of a bubble kind of, does that make sense? I mean, do you kind of feel like basically like you've kind of switched continents of sorts, you know what I mean? Oh yeah. I feel like, um, yes, I, I, it's, it's completely different. I mean, I'm playing with, um, musicians there with totally different references. Mm-hmm and vantage points and different types of skills. Um, they have a very different feel, which changes how I play. And I'm also playing, uh, usually I'm playing, I'm playing different types of guitars. Mm-hmm. I'm usually playing, you know, um, hollow body jazz instruments, uh, or I'm playing one of my electrics, but with, you know, the settings more, uh, you know, tuned for improvisation. Right. And right. Uh, the, the, the back line is different. You know, the amplification is different. The uh, foot pedals are, are different. I tend to, I have a, I use a lot of different sounds. I get, mm-hmm. I get a little bit experimental. Yeah. But, you know, I get to sort of tap into some of my, yeah you know, my influences that you might not hear when I'm playing with that. Right. And you and get to you set up your own gear. You might not know. <laughs> well, there's that too. Yeah, but you, you might not know that I'm a uh, I'm a fan of yeah. What's just to name one person? John Schofield. Oh God, yeah, just one I of my love Sco. He is amazing. Yeah, yeah, amazing. And the stuff his music is groovy. It's fun. It's quirky. And it's, it's technically brilliant. But, you know, that stuff he did with Medeski, Martin, and Wood was like fucking outrageous. Oh yeah, you know it yeah, was so I mean, good, so good. And you might hear that, you know, if I played with the trio, there's mm-hmm. parts you might say, "Oh, I, I can." I, I mean, obviously, I try not to copy him, but I might, you know, I definitely tap into some of that influence, right? And like picking close to the bridge and certain types of phrasing. Uh, Bill Frizzell is another one. Um, and yeah, you're maybe that will influence one of my ideas with Testament, but you're probably not going to hear it. <laughs> it's not going to sound like that. <laughs> it might, it might bleed in a little bit, you know what I mean? But like, yeah. you know, it's like, you know, it, it, it's like, it's not going to be as prevalent as, you know, like you said, like as if you right. were in like your jazz form. So, um, yeah. well, Real quick, I know you're going to have to go into this a little bit, but bef- when I do my sign-off, just hang on for just a quick minute so I can give you sure. a proper goodbye and everything, if that's okay. So, okay. Uh, yeah, no problem. But anyway, there's just a couple of things that I wanted to talk. I wanted to ask you about more before we head out. And um, one of them is kind of a big deal with me right now is this whole um, expression of politics 
in music uh-huh. by musicians in in the press as we've kind of seen a lot and yeah. um not to put i'm not i don't you feel like i'm putting you on the spot because you know if it's something you're not don't want to talk about that's cool but like yesterday there was a big there was a big release about steve zetro Souza, you know yeah. saying he was yeah. a trump supporter and oh that 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 i know i know and so it was one of those things where like you know i mean there's a lot of back and forth between people on my blog about this and people were, a lot of people were just like, you know, Oh, you know, if you can't handle it, you're, you're, you're a fucking wuss, whatever. And other people, other people were just like, you know, fuck. And I, and my opinion was like, you know, like anything, like if you wear political or fundamental beliefs on your sleeve and you like openly and proudly stated you kind of need to be prepared for what's gonna come your way whether it be good or bad you know and so like what is your take on that and i'm not saying for you to pick a side i'm just saying like what's your take on that if that makes sense okay um i will give you an example this week uh there is a another podcast uh by joe rogan Yes. And he has Henry Rollins on. Mm-hmm. And I haven't heard the whole thing yet, but the part that I've listened to, they get into a big uh, discussion um, about Ted Nugent. And <laughs> apparently there was an idea to put them on the same show. Oh, no. I think I just asked a fascinating idea, but anyway, so he, Henry talks about how he he's gotten into these conversations with Nugent about music because Henry's a, a massive Nugent fan. Correct, like right? He thinks like that's as good as it. And then when he and he's ha- had several conversations with them, and they go to music, and you know, I, he's like, I like this guy. And then he'll hear, you know, he'll he'll see a clip from Nugent, you know, appearing on Fox News on behalf of the NRA, and right. you know, just saying something, you know, just re- ridiculous, you know, making like just so like know, over the over the, the top, obnoxious. yeah, yeah. And I thought that I thought that was really interesting, um, but you know, he. He says that, you know, he's able to make the separation. And, you know, the guy that he talks to about music is this great guy. Mm-hmm. And he thinks that, I mean, you, you, yeah, I would, tell, I would tell people to yeah, listen to the interview, but the, um, with, in the case of Newton, for example, he's sort of, you know, in the almost in this business now, as well as you know, being this legendary musician of just the guy who says outrageous things. Oh, and there's a lot of people that you know. There's now like a whole industry that thrives on that, and people for their you know, it's it can determine whether they get their next book deal. <laughs> you know, oh, whole, it's crazy, dude. Whether or not someone's going to distribute your album, like whoever, you know. Yeah, so it becomes a question. It's like, okay, how much does that represent, you know, the the person themselves? 
Um, so I know in the case of, you know, the, the case of Zetro, um, I, I've known him a long time. This is a great guy. Right. I've, I've, I've met him numerous somebody, times. And matter of fact, I yeah, was kind of shocked when I read that. I was like, yeah. that's not what I would have ever thought Zetro would be. <laughs> you know, I was like, come I, on, I, man. I, I, really? I, know, I, know, I know. And it seems like okay, he was asked about it. Because I really think, I, and, you know, from for as long as I've known him, I've never discussed politics. I've never heard him discuss politics. And I would like to think that if, you know, if the issues were explained more in detail and the data was shown and like the... That we're know, privy to? Yes. From the real news? Well, yeah. For, <laughs> yes. Yes. For example, yes, the stock market is going through the roof, but that doesn't affect... So you can't judge the whole economy by that. Right. And you can't judge wages by that. And yes, even though the unemployment rate is, is high because, we, you know, people have to work so much harder just to survive. Oh, right. They yeah. have a survivable uh, wage. Uh, and there's, you know, you can, there is evidence of this. Mm-hmm. And I would like to think if, you know, if presented with that evidence, it might have an effect. But who knows? Who knows? And I just think, uh, yeah, you're kind of go, going there. You're wading into a a rabbit hole if you, with a lot of these people, if you choose to debate. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I know some other. There's some other musicians I can think of. Oh, me too. Yeah. <laughs> there's plenty. <laughs> I I don't want to like I. I, I've seen their Facebook walls, right? And it's shocking to me. Yeah. And these are people like I'm. I'm convinced that if if they saw somebody fall down on the street, they'd be the first to help them up. Right. You know what I mean? These are not people I think of as bad people in any way. Right. And I just, I'm just in shock that they've bought into that, the the whole um, Fox News mentality and just sort of parroting these talking points. And yeah, I don't, I don't know what to do about it because you can't really argue. We've reached the point where people are convinced they have their own facts and well, yeah. Their own truth. And Giuliani says, truth isn't truth. <laughs> well, you know, and to quote Anthrax, you know, it's like clapping with one hand. You know what I mean? Right. Like, it really is. It's like, I mean, you know, it's like, you know, you can dispute this all you want with them. But like, you know, you know they're going to be right. You're going to be right. right. You're just going to cancel each other out. So at some point, yeah. you've just got to say, I'm either not going to fucking engage you or I'm just going to get so mad that you know my face turns red every time i see you you know exactly you know well that's interesting i'm glad that was interesting that you had that that kind of point on it though so but you yourself i mean like as far as an individual do you do you kind of foresee yourself as like being like a one that likes to keep his political things to himself and no no not at all 
I didn't think so. I just um, wanted I just wanted my read, my listeners to hear that actually because <laughs> I know it. I know you don't. Oh yeah, no, I've gotten into it. I've kind of had it. <laughs> well, I've you have it. to because it's one of I've those things. We have learned this, and like you said, like we're not far from age, but like in, right. in age, but we've learned in our generation, especially as young people, is that you know it, it's that whole that whole thing. Like you know, if you if you're not if you're not angry, oh, yeah. you're not paying attention. You know, yeah. like you you got you got it. You got to talk yep. about it. You know. Yeah, and I'm not Tom Morello. I'm not. <laughs> yeah, you know, like. Wearing my activism on my sleeve, but I'm also, you know, not afraid to back down. Every once in a while, I'll do a post and just say, "Guys, you know this. This is not normal." Right. Like you know, the child separation policy, the uh, the ban on on Muslim. You know, I mean, I I don't talk about it all the time. But once in a while, and boy, it always creates some big thing. It does because and, because it's being talked about. It's not being swept under a rug. Yeah, how are you? Yeah, and how exactly? How are you going to just ignore like what's this is what's going on in the world? It's a huge elephant in the room. Yeah. Um, I tend to be more active on my Twitter, uh huh, and tweets and replies, and I'll do, you know, I'm. <laughs> Also, I sometimes interact with with uh, people, you know, that I follow. Right. Like, uh, you know, I inter- actually interviewed the journalist Sarah Kentier, who's a big re- resistance leader and mm-hmm. a friend of mine. Uh, I, re- I responded to the pundit uh, Rick Wilson, which I, he just had this hilarious anti-Trump comment <laughs> and he, i did he, love he, that he by the way that was response. great <laughs> yeah yeah so you know I, I have a great time uh you know i i i, I have fun. i try to have fun with it on, on twitter I, I found on on facebook i have to be careful like facebook is just a lot of very sensitive um yeah supporters of what's going on. I've kind of found that Twitter is kind of like the underground railroad of the internet. You know what I mean? It's like where we can kind of like kind of hang together and like, it's a little more secretive. Whereas Facebook, like you'll get a comment from someone and you'll be like, I have no idea who you are. How did you even see this? (laughs) You know what I mean? And I'm like, Oh shit. Because it showed up in somebody's feed and they saw it. I left my shit unblocked and they followed it. And sure. You know, yep. you're like, yeah, this is not good. <laughs> you know, so well, exactly. Well, so let's end on a positive, happy note here instead of this. But so uh, to close things out, are you going to tour? Or I mean, are we going to see some more Testament in um, 2018 or going into 19? <laughs> are we going to see? Um, I I think Testament. Has, yeah, we're thinking about new music. It's percolating. Okay. Um, but I think, you know, the goal is to have a record come out in 2019 by hook or by crook. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. So there's that's happening. Um, in the meantime, you know, Metal Allegiance has these, um, uh, the, you know, these few, the shows are few, but they're, they're big events. So they're really exciting. <laughs> they're huge. Yeah. yeah they're actually, yeah. they're, they're eventful. Yeah. And I, we're looking into uh, a few more of those. So that should happen. And then the, mm-hmm. the trio has, uh, 
album release shows uh, all over the country and uh, a swing through Texas where we haven't been in a number of years. Oh, and uh, I'd love to see you guys yeah, down. I'd love to see you guys down here in Atlanta. You'd be surprised. Yeah, Atlanta, Atlanta's got quite a little jazz Atlanta. scene, man. Atlanta's got oh, quite a little jazz thing going on. I man. know. There's some great musicians down there. Uh, yeah, we're overdue. So uh, I'm just I'm waiting for my schedule to solidify, but I, I could see us getting there, you know, within the next few months. That would be fantastic. Well, definitely keep me posted, man, so I can, uh, you know, spread the word and advertise for you and get it all out for you. Because I'd love to see a trio show. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I've got okay. all the I've got all the albums, man. I absolutely cool. love cool. them. So, you know, it's fantastic. It's great listening. So, thanks, man. Well, I hope you like the new one. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to hear, and I'm so so glad I had the opportunity to talk with you, Alex. And uh, it's been a long time coming, and uh, I appreciate your time, man, so much. All right. My pleasure. My well, look, pleasure. well, best of luck right. with everything, and I uh, hope to talk to you soon. You got it. All, All right, right. Thanks. See you later. Bye.